today's episode, I'm talking to John Morrow, one of the top bloggers in the world. John is behind the popular site SmartBlogger that reaches an audience of more than 100,000 email subscribers and generates well over $100,000 in monthly revenue. John's life story is one of the most inspiring ones I've come across. Born with spinal muscular atrophy, John spent most of his life paralyzed from the neck down. Incredibly, he runs his entire writing efforts and business operation through speech recognition technology. In our talk, we follow John's unique journey, delving deep into his perspectives and techniques. How has reading Cosmopolitan helped him become a master in writing headlines? Why he thinks most editors are too soft? And why he wrote over 35,000 headlines on his first year working as a blogger? So enjoy my talk with John Morrow. Welcome to Elementor Talks. And today I'm super excited to having as our guest no other than John Morrow. John, thank you very much for being here. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So I'm psyched to uh, be interviewing you. And really, I've prepared a lot of questions that uh, are interesting for me and uh, for our community. And you really have an amazing story, an inspiring story. You managed to deal with a, a very critical disease and managed to overcome it and become you know, the top experts in content, SEO, marketing. So it's really interesting, your story. I, I, in preparation for this interview, I uh, heard your previous interview with James Altucher. And yeah. your story, I think, is, is a great inspiration for anyone in terms of what can you can accomplish. And I really urge um, all the listeners to go to that podcast. I'll link to it in the show notes. But uh, really in the, this show, I want to put the focus more on your expertise and uh, how you got to your knowledge and uh, your, your journey more in a professional level. Sure, sure. Sounds good. So take us back to how it all got started with your uh, careers. What initiated it all? Yeah, I was trying to figure out how to, how to build a, a new career for myself because I, I'd been working in the real estate industry back in 2008 and uh, then the real estate market crashed in the U.S. And I mean, really, it sparked a recession that went, you know, almost worldwide. And um, when that happened, I, I realized I needed to find something else to do with my, uh, with my time. So I started a blog. So you were writing uh, still on financial things and... Uh... I was, I was. So I decided to write about personal finance and uh, I ended up quitting my job. I mean, I, I didn't actually like get laid off or anything. I realized what was happening. So I went in and quit my job. I'd just been in a car accident too at the time. It was like this really awful time in my life. I quit my job and I just started writing about what I'd learned hanging around a lot of wealthy people in, in real estate. And uh, the blog took off like a rocket and it got like, it was up to over a thousand visitors. There were over 2000 visitors a day actually within 60 days. And um, 
it got like nominated for the best personal finance blog in the world by like a Webby Award or something. And um, I got an offer. Two things happened at the same time. I got an offer from a guy who wanted to buy it. The name of the blog is On Money Making, by the way, onmoneymaking.com. If you go to the site now, it's run by someone else. It's it's definitely not the same site anymore. But um, I got an offer to buy it. And at the same time, I got an offer from Brian Clark over at Copyblogger to, to come work as an editor over at Copyblogger. So I sold the blog and I went to work as an associate editor working under Brian at Copyblogger and helping grow Copyblogger, which at the time was like the biggest marketing blog in the world. And so I spent several years doing that and growing it to, I think when I left, we were at like three and a half million page views a month, something like that. So it was a, it was a super popular site. So when you started writing about finance, it was not something you learned from books or universities. It's something you learned from being around professionals and working in the field, right? Yeah. I mean, millionaires, billionaires, I'd gotten to know a few billionaires. And I'd learned that if you want to become wealthy, not only is it helpful to be frugal, which that's the main focus of most of the personal finance community is living a frugal lifestyle, saving money, investing, Mm -hmm. which is all fine and good. But the argument that I made was you also needed to increase your income. So it was about being frugal and increasing your income. And so I focused on the increasing your income side of things, which was really a message that was lacking at the time. And, um, so yeah, it, it, it took off. So you found a message that was kind of uh, unique and did the delivery also the, the way your style of writing, do you, did you find something that was, um, extraordinary in, in that? I, I followed a lot of the standard advice at the time about just the types of articles to write also outreach doing a lot of outreach to influencers to get them to share and to to vote so at the time like dig was a really big site just like reddit is is a big social bookmarking site now yeah and um so like i got one of my posts to the front page of dig by networking and uh I was, I was working on it literally like 10, 12 hours a day is what I was doing at the time. So I had this sort of obsessed, hyper-focused mentality, which, which is the way I've always done things. I mean, people, people ask, you know, how are you so successful? I mean, number one, like I didn't have a choice. Like all of the, my, my last career was in shambles. Um, I had to figure out something new for myself. I, I'd always really loved writing. I had to make it work. And um, also, like, I, I was just, I, I didn't want to do what it took. I wanted to do, like, 10 times what it took. 
to be successful. So I was just constantly working. And not everything I did worked, but I was doing so much and working so hard that how, that things took off. Then how many hours would you say you uh, put in? And did it change today? Like how much? Uh, yeah, thankfully I work a little bit less today than I, than I used to. So for the first, and by the way, I'm not recommending this, <laughs> um, but for the first five years of my career or so, I pretty much worked and slept and that's it. I, I was probably working 100 hours a week, 80 to 100 hours a week. Yeah, I mean, people, you see all the marketing, uh, you know, advertisement, like uh, work four hours and get a salary. And if you go and examine the, the successful people like Elon Musk, like yourself, you see that they invest, you know, Jeff Bezos, you see they, they invest hours and hours into the, the, their craft, into their uh, job. And you see it's not only in business and money, it's also in, uh, you know, in art and in anything. Yeah, it's the whole Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours thing. If you want to achieve mastery, you've got to put in the time. I mean, people wonder why I'm as good at getting traffic as I am. And I think the best illustration is when I went to work for a copy blogger, one of the first things Brian told me, he said, listen, the headlines for your blog posts are the biggest factor in how much traffic you get. So I want you to write a hundred headlines a day and just, just to practice. So I said, okay, cool. So I went back to him in 30 days and I had a list of over 3000 headlines that I'd written hundred headlines a day. And wow. he, he said, Oh my God, he says, I, I got to tell you, <laughs> yeah, he said, I got to tell you, I tell that to everybody that starts writing for us. You're the first person to actually do it. Um, and yeah. I learned so much writing 100 headlines a day that I actually continued that practice for my first year at Copyblogger. So the, the first year, I wrote over 35,000 headlines just in the first year what kind of headlines like how did you was that random headlines that you subject that you were interested in or no so at the time i mean nowadays we have all of these great great tools to yeah. do analysis on what types of topics are the most popular this was back in 2010 so none of that existed that the best thing you could do was to look at older industries. So what Brian told me to do was to look at the covers of magazines and to look at the headlines that they used to, to, to base my headlines on those. And the, the magazine- These kind of magazines? Yeah, the, the like Cosmopolitan Magazine. Okay, yeah. so Cosmopolitan Magazine was, was the, the rumor was, I don't know if this is true, whoever was writing the headlines for, for Cosmo was getting paid like a million dollars a year <laughs> just to write the, the headlines. Um, so like Cosmo and other magazines, I used to, I mean, this is, this is 
funny in retrospect. I would have been horribly embarrassed at the time. But I was so broke that I used to go into Barnes and Noble and tear the magazine covers off of the magazines in Barnes and Noble and then sneak out with the magazine covers because I couldn't afford to buy the magazines. So I had a stack of like hundreds of magazine covers that I would go through and I use those for inspiration. So, I mean, just like Cosmopolitan, like you'd see something like 53 ways to drive your man wild in bed uh, or, or something. So I would do 53 ways to, to drive your readers wild with your blog posts or something like that, right? So I would just use the idea. It's like the, a recent blog post I saw on your blog, Power Words, and how you can take them and do, do a, uh, spin them around to create a, maybe a different article with the same Power Words. Yes. So that's where I started to learn those types of things. And um, I just put in tons of time and effort. And I mean, at, at Copy Blogger, at one point, I was managing, I think like, I don't know, over, it was at least a hundred, over, over a hundred guest posters. It may have even been 200 guest posters. So, because we would publish a new blog post every day, that was about 1500 to 2000 words. Mm-hmm. So I was editing, I was writing, um, and that's like, all I did for several years. So editing, did you also give feedback uh, to the writers and, and try to guide yeah. them towards more successful? Uh... So what kind of tips do you have for editors? Because a lot of people work with freelancers and, uh, you know, I, re- I recently interviewed uh, Brian Gardner, who's yeah. also a partner of Brian Clark. And, sure. Uh, it seems that they had kind of a system of, of success, whatever they touched. So I, I'm interested in how to, how, what do you think are the factors to manage such an operation of writers and, and content? So there, there were a few different things. Number one, most editors are too soft that, 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 that I've seen on other sites. Um, on average, writers working with me they would have to go through five to seven revisions on a blog post. So I was absolutely ruthless with making sure the post was excellent. Um, the other thing was that I would rewrite portions of their post and, and get them to approve it before we published. So like a lot of the posts I edited were at least half mine when, when, when they were published. I didn't get any credit for those posts mm-hmm. um, other than just knowing I did a good job and the traffic was growing. Um, and what I would tell the writers, and this is something Brian did to me because I learned how to edit from Brian editing my work. And um, what Brian would do is he would rewrite portions of it. And then he would tell me, he would say, listen, after it's published, 
take your version and take my version and put them side by side and study the differences. And he said, the next time you write, I expect to have to rewrite less of it. So that's what I would tell writers. And if they weren't improving every time when they wrote for us, if they wrote for us multiple times, then I would not invite them back to write for us. So if, if it was 50% that I had to rewrite in the beginning, the second time it better be 30%, the third time 20%, until I eventually got to where I had about a dozen writers who I didn't have to do very much rewriting toward the end of my stay there. And that's when things were really clicking and really doing well is rather than having a huge pool of people to, to have a smaller group of people who were really, really well trained and tuned in. And that, that's when we got the best results. Well, 50% of the article to rewrite, that's, that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so if you consider every article was 1,500 to 2,000 words in the beginning, I was like writing a thousand words a day just on guest posts that were going live. So um, over time that got better, thankfully. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And for us, you know, uh, Elementor is a design tool. So we uh, try to make it as easy as possible to design the site. But I'm curious how... Like how you go about if you want to build a site as someone who has the focus on um, writing and blogging, do you delegate? Do you uh, work with uh, other people? How, how does it work? Well, I mean, these days I, I have a whole team of people I work with. Um, so I can, I can just say what I want. I mean, I have a team of a dozen people. That, that work for me. Um, so I, I could delegate almost everything. Uh, but the, the good thing is you also don't have to. So like I just recently launched a personal website and I built the whole thing myself in the weekend. And I kind of just wanted to see what it was like doing it. So yeah, I mean, the tools that are out there today, like Elementor, make it so much easier than it used to be. That's one of the questions we got from our community to ask you was regarding inclusive design and accessibility. And actually one of our uh, free plugins, not related to Elementor, but the same company released uh, an accessibility plugin. Uh, so what is your take on the situation today in the, this uh, subject? So I can, I can only speak about what it's like for someone with mobility issues. So that's me. I mean, I'm in a wheelchair. I can't, I can't move from the neck down. So today, there, there are so many things that are available that weren't available 10 years ago or were in their infancy and worked really terribly. So like the, today I can do anything on the computer that I need to be able to do because t 
to type, I have Dragon Naturally Speaking for voice recognition. And um, for the mouse, I have a lip-operated mouse that, that I mean, I, it's hard to describe. I can send you a photo. And um, it, it allows me to move the mouse around on the screen with my lips. And between those two things, I can do anything that I need to be able to do on the web. 10 years ago, Dragon, naturally speaking, did exist, mm -hmm. but it was like terrible. I remember the training to get a new user profile set up was like a hundred hours of training. Not only that, but the training was only, it wasn't portable. So every computer you installed it on, you had to do another 100 hours of training. It was absolutely terrible. Um, I know they're now experimenting with um, tools that now, I think they tried it with apes that they can move a mouse what, with, the th with thoughts. And, the, and 10 years ago, uh, 10 years from yeah. now, it be something that, uh, you know, is in every computer or a cell phone. Yeah, and I keep my eye on all the cutting edge stuff. I mean, yeah, there's actually a tool called BrainGate that um, they, they have the electrode implanted in people's brains to where they can like move an electronic arm with nothing but their mind, just by thinking. Um, turn on and off lights, drive a wheelchair, all of this stuff just through thought. So, I mean, there, there are all kinds of even crazier things coming in the future. But, yeah, I'm so grateful for everything that we have. And that for me, the technology has always been there to allow me to do what I want to do. So, uh, going back to writing, we, we, uh, we, we talked about titles. So, what are the key elements that you see of successful blog posts and uh and you can maybe tell a, a bit more about your uh, course your blogging course as well sure so i mean we've worked with thousands of of students now and studied millions of of titles or headlines and um what we've noticed is the biggest factor by far is your choice of topic. And, and this surprises people. We, a lot of beginners, when they come in, they think, well, if, if I write about what I want to write about and I write about it well enough, it'll succeed. That's actually not true. People are interested in what they're interested in. And if they don't have a pre-existing interest in your topic, meaning they're already interested in it, before they ever hear about you, then it doesn't matter how well written your article is, it will not succeed. So um, what the most critical factor is, and, and this is what we, we, we have a course called Freedom Machine, where we train people how to do this. The most critical factor is just figuring out the proven interests of your audience about what there's evidence out there 
that that they they're super interested in this set of topics and then writing mostly about those topics yeah i actually uh, was uh, interested in preparation for this interview to uh, i usually do that to, to start and see what it's about so i started a course it's really great and i would say also unique it's like a there's a unique approach to it it's very simple in terms of there's no high tech you know it's very straight to the point but it gives you uh just kind of what you need also there's a lot of uh self accountability so after you finish a unit you have to uh you know check mark that you finished the assignments and i like the fact that it gives you it gives the trust to the to the person going through the course and also the responsibility because the, that's an issue for a lot of courses yeah it's um It's something that we've had to learn about through the history of my company and and a lot of people when they create an online course, their only measure of success is how much money they make right mm-hmm. with with us we're yes, we care about how much money we make we're not we're not stupid but but we also to us it's not a successful course unless people are also getting results. That they can move through the course that they can understand the steps, so we've spent years learning about instructional design and how to design courses and a, a custom platform that you created or are you using made no no i mean it's 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 really just it's mostly about the organization. Of the material now, as far as the the checkoffs on the lessons uh I think that's like a WordPress plugin or something that we use. I don't recall which one, but I can find out for you if you like but it's uh it's mostly about organizing the material into very small steps mm-hmm. that people can take, making it very clear what the next step is. And then giving examples of what it looks like to take that action, so if there's a homework assignment, an example of what a successful homework assignment looks like, if you do all of those things, uh student success goes way up. It's kind of like writing I mean uh, like writing a good uh blog post, you have to have uh the bulks uh article is separated to paragraphs and uh actionable items and uh exactly i i think that yeah it's it's a great i mean if you have one skill that you need to have to succeed in life it's it's writing because writing if you know how to write it's you know how to think so that can help you in any area of your life basically yeah i mean i i thought it was the the best definition that i've ever heard of of writing is it's refined thought that's that's what it is um so writers the best writers are no question the best thinkers if if you have sloppy thoughts, it doesn't matter how many writing techniques you study. you really wouldn't struggle with your content writing and teaching. Are mostly about clarity and organization they're not about cleverness 
the the most important factor for having any type of successful content is that people understand exactly what you're trying to say. If you can if you can do that, you're in a much better position than most of the other people on the internet. So uh, this brings me to another question we were asked, and it's a question that puzzles me as well. I mean, it's the problem that in one aspect, articles seems to be, seem to be getting longer. So you get those yeah. long 5,000 word uh, articles. On the other hand, users are going to mobile. So they want to you know, flip through their BuzzFeed article uh, and uh, don't want to have these long articles. What's the br- best practice here for someone wanting to start a blog with actual readers, not just uh, traffic? It, it's, it's actually, so let me step back and, and describe my, my sort of big picture theory of content. So whether you're, you're trying to get traffic from Google or social or whatever, the content that does the best is it's the best blog posts ever published on that topic. Okay. Yeah. Now, that bar goes up every year because more content is published. But if, if you're looking at writing an article, the critical step for you to take is to read the other articles published on that topic. They should also be popular because it's a proven interest of your audience, right? And then you should make an effort to write the best article it, it, you need to, it needs to be better in some way than any of those posts that you read. Now, making your post longer is one way to do that. You can make it more comprehensive, more detailed, more examples, more resources. But that's only one way to be better. Uh, there, there are other ways. They're, they're just harder. So, like, you can have better design than your competitors, like Elementor, right? Um, we've actually looked at using Elementor to do like a custom design for our biggest posts, where actually everything is designed on the post in Elementor. Um, do you see a shift in the marketing field of more appreciation uh, to uh, matters of design? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you have two articles and one of them is just a regular blog post with points and headings, and then you have another one that makes the same points, but it has good design, it has graphics, it has maybe like custom uh, fonts for its headings and things like that. The one that has the better design will get dramatically more traffic. Yeah, I, I like the one part of, of, of the course that I remember is that you mentioned in your course that to analyze a site, if it's like a, a site where marketers, uh, sorry, a, a topic or a field where marketers go, uh, a good niche, if you find that it's a website uh, with uh, membership, with uh, affiliate program, or with, uh, I think it was... Uh, 
lectures or ebooks or, or I forgot the, the third sure. category. But those sites used to be without any design and they were very different than let's say startup or big company websites, which were more high-end design. Those sites were with, uh, you know, very noticeable, you know, with the big green button. And uh, I think now it's kind of changing. We see top marketers uh, websites look different, look more uh, stylish. Yeah, definitely. So design is, it's critical these days. And it's, and by design though, I think it's important for me to clarify what I'm talking about. Mm. It's, it's not spending $10,000 on your logo. Okay. Like a lot of people get obsessed with their logo or their domain name. I mean, yeah, it's nice to have a good logo, but those are factors about you where design is critical is about the user experience. So how much does your logo affect the user experience? Like not much at all, right? So like for, for our products, we spend very little time on the logo. What we spend a lot of time thinking about is what is people's experience going through this website? Is it, is it clear? Is it interesting? It is, does it look cool? If it doesn't, then that's a, that's, that's, there's room for us to improve. And um, I think going forward, that's going to be more and more critical is to not only think about the information you're delivering, but to think about the experience of the reader when they're consuming that information. Definitely. Yeah making it uh, an enjoyable experience and not just um, not just grabbing the attention, but also providing something that's uh, fun and entertaining. And uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. Where do you take uh, inspiration? I mean, I, I really find that your direction is very, you know, you have a clear path. And also I, I noticed it in, in, in the way you write and also in, in the course. So, what is your source of inspiration? Who are your mentors? And uh, where do you, what do you read? <laughs> what do I read? So um, these days I read a ton of different stuff. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, I consider myself to be a writer, okay? And if you really want to be a good writer, the best writers read widely. Okay, so I probably read two or three hours a day at least. And I read nonfiction stuff, but I also read a lot of fiction in different categories. Um, I read poetry. I read trashy zombie novels. I read, um, when I was trying to get better at writing for women, I, I read romance novels because those are so popular with women um so yeah a great approach i think there's in the marketing field there is such a there's kind of a trend it, it's it's sort of addictive you start reading those uh growth and and um you know uh, growth hacking and and personal growth uh websites and it's addictive but uh, it it's 
it can be immersive. I found it can be immersive both personally for myself and I've seen others fa fall into that uh, trap. And I'm, I'm so glad that you, uh, <laughs> you, like, you strengthened what, what I thought because uh, I noticed in, in your voice also that it's, it's not one-sided. It seems, I think that the, the, the bigger scope you, you have of, of the kind of books you read and the, the kind of things you're, uh, you, you, you see, it makes you a better, more adaptive animal, you know? It does. And I mean, that's a lesson that I learned from Stephen King. I mean, his number one piece of advice to writers is read a lot and write a lot. Those are like the two requirements. Yeah. Um, so that's what I do. And I mean, the other, the other thing is, I mean, I've been doing this for over a decade now and I've achieved a level of, I mean, when, whenever you're learning anything, like let's say you're learning to play piano. Um, you start out learning how to play very simple songs from other people, right? You're playing chopsticks or whatever. Eventually over time you move up to more complex pieces, more difficult, mm -hmm. and eventually maybe you start composing your own music. And, but that's like the last step. So the same is true of content. It's like any art form. Um, you start out learning the structures and the formats and the ideas of other people and you start with simple ones and you move up to more and more complicated ones but eventually i mean it's where i'm at now now i'm composing my own forms and that's that's like the level of mastery but it's something that i didn't start doing until five six seven years of doing this full time. Are you planning a book? Yes, I am. Oh. <laughs> I've, been, I've been getting pushed uh, relentlessly by a lot of people to write a book for years now. Um, I probably am going to do one in 2019. I'll do a book deal. You probably won't see it until 2020, 2021, but um, but yeah, a book is definitely in my future. That, that's something definitely to look forward to. Yeah, it's, it's a big project for sure. So, uh, John, it's, it's uh, a pleasure. I, I, I have to wrap things up, but it's been okay. a pleasure talking, yeah. to you. talking to you. It's like, you know, it's really like peeling, uh, you know, uh, an onion. You, you get, it, it's like there are a lot of layers underneath to explore. And I, I, I do hope we can continue this conversation uh, in the future. Um, so how can people contact you and uh, get on your course and all of that? Sure. So um, smartblogger.com is uh, my, blog, my main site. Um, I also have a personal development blog, unstoppable.me. And uh, yeah, for the courses... Um, you can go to our blog and find Freedom Machine and our products. Also, I can give you a link for the show notes. And, uh, and I mean, if, if you really want to learn how to start your own blog, that's by far 
the most popular course out there. I mean, it's been promoted by Automatic, the makers of WordPress, um, huge podcasters like John Lee Dumas. Um, so it's a very successful course that's very well proven. And uh, and if you're not ready for that, you know, there, there's lots of free content over at Smart Blogger as well. It's a great course and I look forward to continuing and finishing it uh, myself. John, thank you very much. And uh, thank you everyone who listened. Don't forget to subscribe uh, to this podcast, Elementor Talks. So until next time, this is Ben from Elementor. Elementor.